Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And we're inviting you to a lady date, a place to connect, speak openly, and learn from each other's experiences. Today's episode is in honor of springtime and graduation season. We wanted to reflect on the question, did college actually prepare us for anything? We're excited to discuss this further with each other and share our thoughts with you. All right. Hey, Jess, how's it going? Hey, Sarah, it's going well. You know, the sun is shining. Birds are singing. Can't complain. I think it's raining over here. Is it raining now? (laughs) It's typical spring. It was like sunny earlier and it was so nice. And then it was dumping rain. I don't know. Our plants are happy, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Classic spring in Portland. Well, I'm excited to talk to you about all that we have today, everything uh, college. And to set that stage, I have an icebreaker for us. What was your favorite class in college? Oh, okay. This is super random, but my favorite class when I was a freshman to like kind of help the freshmen get adjusted to being in college and like being in larger class settings, we had these like freshman interest groups or they were called FIGs. And I, for some reason, decided to pick the FIG that was based around like storytelling and folklore, which it's really not that random that I picked that. Let's be honest. I love (laughs) the art of storytelling. Random at the time. Yes. Very random random at the time. (laughs) (laughs) It was very telling of like me figuring out my interests and what I liked. Um, But I had a class called Introduction to Folklore, and we studied the different lore behind like current things. So I remember like studying, I think it's Ohio State University, like they're the Buckeyes. And so there's this whole like tradition around the Buckeye and it's like just a nut or a seed or something like that. But I just remember going so in depth of like understanding where that was all rooted and where that was coming from and the tradition behind that and like why at the university level, like we get so entrenched in the like traditions that we hold and um, these rituals of like tailgating. We, you know, at the University of Oregon would always like walk to our football stadium and it was like this long walk that you would do, but you did it every game. So it's just like funny traditions like that. But at the end of the day, it was really cool to learn about these just different stories and like the reasons behind them and like how they came to be and how those kinds of stories evolve and become folklore, become tradition. And I think now as an adult, I see why I was so drawn to that as being like an individual who loves rituals and traditions and like creating that kind of consistency or like pattern within my own life. So there's definitely something there. But yeah, that's the class that like, I remember being in I remember loving And I think I just was going through stuff at my parents' house the other day and found like a paper that I wrote (laughs) for that class that I kept, which was so nerdy. It was about (laughs) the folklore behind Eagle Scouts because my high school boyfriend who I dated into my freshman year of college was an Eagle Scout. And so I like interviewed him (laughs) and talked about the folklore behind Eagle Scouts. Oh, what a nerd. Um, (laughs) 
But yeah, that was mine. What about you, Sarah? I love that. I mean, that's very much as an arts and humanities major, that would very much have been a class that I could have taken. So (laughs) I feel that uh, for sure. Uh, I so I went through like so many different phases of what I thought I was going to be and do that I kind of like changed a lot in college. So my favorite classes were like really super random too. Um, But I think I'm going to say my favorite one uh, was a food science class. And it went into, I was like on a big nutrition kick. And so I took this class that like went into the kind of like breakdown chemical reactions of like why cooking does what it does and how food is like broken down in your body. And it was like very scientific. And I am very, very interested in like the why behind how things work. Again, then was kind of random. Now totally makes sense. Like that is applied in everything in my life. If I like, if I'm asked to do something, I need to know why. If I am trying to grow something in the garden, I need to know why it's growing and why some pests are attracted to it and, you know, why it looks that way, whatever. So I I really, really enjoyed it. It was one of the only classes where I was very diligent about studying and like talking to the professor and all of that. And it's stuff that I still remember now when I'm cooking, which is kind of cool. So I think it's not a super common subject. And I think that's also why I really liked it. We didn't, we don't learn about nutrition really. And growing up watching, yeah, growing up watching the Food Network, I was like, heck yes, this is right up my alley. It's like Alton Brown teaching us. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I was just going to say Alton Brown's show where he used to like go through the science. Like I learned so much about like tempering chocolate. And like, yeah. why when you introduce moisture, it'll seize and like what you can do to reverse it. Like, yeah, I think that class sounds fascinating and would be awesome. so cool. Because cooking really is a cool. science. And yep. so there's a lot of like, reasoning behind why things happen the way they do. See, that's like where I wish I could have like taken more random classes like that, that we would have had like more flexibility to do that instead of just being like, on a track. I mean, I guess technically you could have, but then you probably would have been in college for forever. So yeah, I mean, I I took five years, so I was in college forever. Fair. (laughs) Stupid, but I took fun classes. So there we go. Uh, See, yeah, that would have been cool. But (laughs) there's pros and cons to that. Well, I think this like segues us into you kind of shared this already. But what what was your major when you're in college? My major was technically the Residential College of Arts and Humanities. And so I was an IB student, an international baccalaureate student when I was in high school. And when I was like a junior, the Michigan State University like had this new major called the Residential College of Arts and Humanities. And they um, came by my school and did a presentation. And I really dug IB because they emphasized doing things outside of school. And so you had to do like a certain level level of activity. So that could be like a sport um, or like dance or whatever kind of movement you wanted to do. Um, And then like volunteer services and creativity, like you had to be kind of a well-rounded individual. And when ARCA is what they called it, RCAH came to our school and did a presentation. I was like, oh man, this sounds exactly like IB because you had to do like a certain level of service in your community and, um, and learning about people. And I really, I was really, really into that. So 
it was a residential college in that all of the classes were in the same building. Um, so like your core classes that were like within ARCA were in the same building that the dorm was. So you, we like never left. <laughs> we oh, lived in that interesting. dorm. Yeah. We had the best calf on campus at the time. So we had like the cafeteria there. And then you would go to class and like never leave. Some of the, some of the professors even lived in the building. So they really like really pushed on that feeling of community, which was really cool. That's why, why I chose it. Yeah. Whoa. That's so different. I I know. How about you, Jess? What was your major? So I went into college and kind of had a like clear idea that I really wanted to study business. And then I remember like, Right, like at freshman orientation, I tested into second year Spanish. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, I took Spanish in high school and something that I kind of want to like continue taking in college just because it felt like it would be a kind of nice mix with the more creative side of learning a language versus the more like math heavy business administration major. And so I remember within like the first month or so, I went to a guidance counselor and was just like, all right, here's what I want to do. I think I want to be a business major and then minor in Spanish and minor in psychology. I wanted to have like a dual minor. And I just found like psychology fascinating. It was a class I really enjoyed taking in high school. So I thought that I could um, continue on in college. And through talking to this guidance counselor and then also letting them know that I wanted to study abroad at some point, we like mapped out all four years of classes that I would need to take in order to graduate in four years in order to like, do a study abroad for a semester. And then basically, we figured out if I were to study abroad in a Spanish speaking country that had a business program, I would have accumulated enough credits and transferred enough from high school to graduate in four years with a double major in Spanish and business. And so from like the first month of college, I had everything mapped out. Like I knew exactly what I needed to do in order to achieve that. So I just like never thought about it again (laughs) and just like followed that outline throughout the four years. So I double majored in business and Spanish, um, ended up like, getting a bachelor of arts in business administration where a lot of people tend to get bachelors of science. Um, but because I had that language piece, I could, I don't know if I actually got to take less math. I don't think so, (laughs) (laughs) but it ended up being a bachelor of arts. So yeah, that was kind of my experience with it. And, you know, I think there is a lot to be said about being able to do IB or, AP, like advanced placement Mm -hmm. courses in high school, um, being able to partner up with like a local university or community college to get some of those like credits going into college. Like Mm -hmm. that was huge. That is something that I think was really worthwhile and really smart for local universities to make available because being able to tackle some of that ahead of time and get that out of the way and not have to pay the heavy price of it in a university or college setting like that is a huge deal yep totally agree i'm so glad that i did the classes that i did in high school it saves you so much money (laughs) oh yeah it really does (laughs) but like when you 
we're studying, we're studying like arts and humanities. Did you have an idea of like what you wanted to get into once you had that major? I know you said you kind of changed your major a lot and like got to explore a little bit of like different classes, but like, is, yeah. did it ever align or was it kind of just, you weren't sure still? The way it was like sold, I'm going to say, uh, <laughs> out of the gate is that like, it sets you up to be a really good either double major or you like need a minor or you need a specialization. But I never, I could never settle on a specialization. Like I never figured it out. You had to pass a proficiency test in a language. So I always knew I was going to continue Spanish. Like I took it all through high school and I took it through college. And so you had to take like a pretty rigorous oral and written exam for that. And I should have studied abroad in a Spanish speaking country, but I didn't. Um, That would have helped a lot. (laughs) So because there was so much flexibility in the major, I feel like it was too much. I was too able to switch things around. And I kind of wish I'd had someone like help me map something out from the get go that was more practical, that was more, more something I would apply to a career long term, because the specializations I was interested in were not something that I could get a career, I could build a career on with just a specialization and an arts and humanities major. Cause like I went in, well, okay, that's not a hundred percent true. When I went in, I thought I was going to be, um, an ESL teacher. Like I was really interested in, in teaching like English as a second language. And then that quickly shifted to like marine biology and environmental like studies and policy And that was what I ended up like doing my study abroad in. But that's not something you can just like specialize in and then go into. I should have, if I wanted to truly be a professional in that area, I would have needed like a full on science degree. And by the time I'd like decided that, I I wish a guidance counselor had been like, girl, you're going to be here for the rest of your life if you're going to do that. So (laughs) you need to do something else. And then the like nutrition and that stuff was like a very brief blip, but it was the same scenario. So I don't think I had anyone that was like strict enough with me that was like, you need to choose because you want to leave this place at some point and have a like paying job. So no, I did not have a path outside of college until my spring semester of my final year. And that was finally when I was like, oh shit, you need to figure something out. Like you need to get an internship or get an in at a job. Like you got to figure it out. I had volunteered a lot with a, a lot of like our university events. And so I was a part of like our university, um, like one of our events boards, basically, I would volunteer for them. And we would do like poetry slams and things like that. And that was when I figured out that like I wanted to go into events and that I didn't figure that out until the last year. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said about that, though. Like, because when you're in college, you're kind of thinking about, okay, well, I'm going to be here for the next couple of years, you're kind of like, stepping away probably for the first time from home if you're like leaving home like if you're not going to live at home anymore when you're going to college and i think there's a lot of like growth that happens just in that 18 to early to mid 20s period of life like inevitably you're going to grow up a lot regardless of what you do post high school but you know i I have to agree with you, even though I had such a clear path of like what I was going to do in college and what I was going to focus on and what classes I was going to take, it was not really clear to me what my job was going to be afterwards. I thought I would want to get into nonprofits. I thought that 
I would just go and like work for a company. And, you know, within the business administration major, I was able to focus on something. So I chose marketing because I thought it was like the creative outlet side of business and I, I liked it. But I didn't really leave college thinking that I was going to go into marketing. Mm. As silly as that seems, like I just kind of did it because I was like, oh, this seems interesting. But I didn't, you know, other than that, like first month of me going into that guidance counselor's office and like really figuring things out for what these four years were going to look like, I didn't really then take a whole lot of steps in figuring out like what life was going to be like after. You know, I think that we'll get into this a little bit more, but it it is interesting to think that like we spent this time going through these majors, going through the motions of being in school and going to class and having that structure. But I don't think that it was specialized enough, even for me being a business administration major. Like, I think I had a similar experience to you where it was like, where does this actually transfer? Like, am I just going to go get the first entry level job after I graduate? Yes, that is essentially what happened. Um, <laughs> and like, where, where do you go from there? Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's just interesting. Cause I, even I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't do internships. So mm-hmm. that's like a big thing. And now being on the other side of it, working for a company where we have interns that come every summer, I'm like, Oh my gosh, wait, you interned at how many companies? And now this is like your next one. Like that's incredible. But like, mm-hmm. I didn't do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, we started this whole thing as like, did college prepare us for anything? And I, I think we're diving right into that immediately, which is perfect because I think we have a lot to, to flesh out beyond this. But like, I don't think school structurally prepares us for anything that happens after school. I think all school prepares us for, and this is all of it, right? K through college only prepares you for more academia. I really, I think it's like, it's a trap. (laughs) I don't think it's intentional. I just don't, I don't think it's changed in a very, very long time. Internships should be mandatory. If you aren't working in the field you want to go into or trying to get an internship in the field you're trying to go into, at least as a sophomore in college, then like your brain is is not ready to transition into a professional world. Right. Because like if I had been forced to get a job (laughs) of of some kind, even part time in in a field that I wanted to go into, that would have immediately shifted my mindset. But instead, because especially in arts and humanities where that they get so stuck in like philosophy and theory and like all of this stuff that's so interesting to think about, it's not a you can't practically apply it. So if I had been forced to do that earlier on, I think it would have actually prepared me for the professional world. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about like all of these classes where we had to do like case studies of like if we were to work with this company or maybe even you work with a company and you like come up with a campaign for them or you come up with something for them. Like a lot of that was still for me very hypothetical, like I know that there are now classes where you get to like work with an actual client and like build something out for them. But more of that, more of that kind of real world experience or having a class that really is just you getting an internship and then reporting back on like how you're doing and like what projects you're working on. Because 
I mean, when you and I were even just like brainstorming what we wanted to talk about, there were a handful of things that we felt were pros, but even like some of our benefits of college kind of were just like, well, it made you realize that that was just the way things were, (laughs) or it (laughs) made you realize that like, you didn't like that. And so that was like an indicator slash self-awareness lesson that you were learning. And I say that because one of the things that I immediately thought of when we were talking about did college teach us anything or did going to college teach teach us anything was that like working in group projects, like you see the, the memes about it, you see the jokes about it, where it's like these like flashbacks to having to work on group projects with other students and other people and how like it was always a joke because you always had the people that were like slacking off you inevitably had to like carry more weight than you really should have. And it was just like hard to delegate, hard to sort of like navigate and collaborate on. And it's like, that is a a true lesson. I feel like so transferable to the workplace of having to work on group projects or having to figure out how to like coordinate and collaborate uh, among a group of people. And that like, you'll inevitably have those people that still don't really carry their weight. And they were probably your (laughs) somebody else's nightmare from a group project (laughs) a few years prior. And that was like a lesson that you learned from college, but like office politics, like so many other things, you don't get that sort of preparation from a college setting. Right. Totally. I, I It's sink or swim with the group projects. Like that's one of those lessons. And I, I wonder if most of the lessons we're going to talk about today are the pros are unplanned, like it's unintentional mm-hmm. just from being in college. But like it's sink or swim in a group project of who's going to be the leader. Like you, someone steps up and someone is the project manager. Someone has to communicate. Someone has to delegate. Someone has to rally people and the slacker to do their actual work or do that work for that person, make up for that gap. And it's sink or swim. Like the professor isn't like, you know, I think that you are, (laughs) I'm going to randomly assign a group leader. It's always like awkward silence until someone steps up. And that is absolutely still true in work. Absolutely still true. But now you're rewarded for that. And now you're told like, hey, those are leadership qualities. You're a natural leader and you are going to be promoted for for that. But yeah, I don't think you're told that really in college. No. But definitely useful. Yeah. So kind of on that tangent, I will say I did have a professor who required us to give each other anonymous feedback throughout the course of our group project, which I found incredibly enlightening. And also like, (laughs) I wasn't surprised by the feedback that I was getting. This will be a surprise to no one, but like a lot of the, so you had like a positive column and a negative column or like a, a constructive criticism column. And it was like, Jessica could leave a little bit more room for others to speak up first. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Ooh, Still a good lesson, still a good thing to keep in mind. (laughs) Um, Whoops. Uh, But like that was actually really beneficial because it like helped with that expanding your self-awareness, helped with like understanding the perception of how you were viewing yourself and how you were being viewed by others in a group setting. 
I thought that that was a really brilliant use of our time of like being in a group project, but then having like a continuous, I don't honestly remember how often it was like, there were a couple of rounds where you would give and receive feedback. And you would just like submit it through this portal. And then you would get a printout of like what people shared about you, and they would get to see what you had said about them. That's such a cool practice to like set up of like, all right, you gotta both learn how to give and receive feedback. (laughs) Yeah, he was I mean, he was by far my like favorite professor. He was also our like, faculty sponsor for the business fraternity that I was in. And so Mm -hmm. he was like very closely aligned with our group there. And like, he gave a presentation, I can't remember if I've talked about it on here before, but he gave a presentation about like, the generational gaps within the workplace. Oh, yeah. And how like, we're coming into the workplace, and there are going to be boomers, there are going to be gen, what's before us, gen Z, no, that's later. That's after well, us. Gen we're X. Y. X is before us. Okay, so Gen X, and then like we being Gen Y or millennials, we're mm-hmm. going to be working in the workforce. And then now we have Gen Z that's entering the workforce with us. And so um, just like that idea of how we've all lived through different things that have shaped how we handle ourselves and like how we approach work and how, you know, when you have all of those different generations working in a a workplace, it can be challenging, like around communication and things like mm-hmm. that. I was just thinking about that, actually, like right before you said that. Um, and I know we've chatted about that before, because there's, that's something that hasn't translated into uh, work life for me, for me is like working with a group of your peers. That doesn't happen in most <laughs> workplaces, like you're not exclusively working with people that are like the exact same age as you. Um, and I remember in college feeling so self-conscious about like, I really want people to like me and I really wanted my classmates to like me. And I feel that in a very different way now. Like I want Mm -hmm. people to like me, but it feels less like a, I want to be the cool kid pressure and more like I want to be respected. So I think that that's so, it's so valuable that that professor brought that up of like, this is not a real world setting. You're not going to be in a class of, you know, 200 20 year olds ever again it's gonna be way more diverse um so i guess that is kind of an interesting that was a positive surprise i guess (laughs) with professional life yeah no it's true but i think like too it just that being able to communicate between generations being able to like communicate in general Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely a skill. I know you had um, mentioned when we were kind of talking about this beforehand, how like your communication skills and the things that you learned are still very much something that you lean on today. And I have to agree with you. Like, absolutely. In marketing, especially like being able to write well without having mm-hmm. to really think about that, being able to learn about a subject really quickly. Like whenever you, whenever I change jobs, you know, we're marketing for different industries almost every time or having to learn about a different product that we've probably never used. Um, you know, like learning about finance, like a finance tool was way like totally new to me. And now I'm in the AI space and I've had to learn about that. And so that, that ability to like research something kind of discern what the important points are and then be able to write about it as if I'm like a subject matter expert well, not, maybe not surface level expert is super valuable. I use that every day. Being able to copyright, being able to identify like 
spelling and grammar mistakes, being able to communicate with other people on my team, being able to present to people who rank higher than me. Like those are definitely skills that were honed in college for sure. And now they're probably like the foundation of my professional life. Like they, I don't think about them twice. They're, they're in there. Uh, I'm confident in them. So I would say that's probably one of my biggest pros from what I pulled from school. Yeah. And I think a lot of those kind of roll up into soft skills, right? We see this conversation Mm -hmm. around like having like hard skills and soft skills and like you get hired because of your hard skills and then you get promoted because of your soft skills or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever they say around that. But like, it's very true that these like group settings, these opportunities to present and work on our oral presentation skills in front of a group mm-hmm. of people or to a group of people. Those are all skills that we kind of by proxy have been able to hone in mm-hmm. on and learn because we were presented with truly like you need to create this financial report and track how things are going and then do a simulation where you present at the end of the semester or end of the quarter to the class of like how things went. Okay, so that's like the assignment. And there's like definitely things that you're learning throughout that as you go along. But really that like research component, the written component, and then like being able to present out on your findings using data to make decisions. That's all stuff that like gets transferred over. And so it's interesting because I don't think that's exclusive to like being in a university setting. I think any sort of like continued education opportunity is going to present those lessons or those opportunities to you, but it's, it's interesting. Okay. Maybe it was kind of worth it in the end. <laughs> Maybe all of my soft skills are from the very expensive schooling that I paid. For, totally. Which is, yeah. is worth it, I guess. Well, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's valuable at least. It is. I think, you know, we both were able to have really good experiences with like broadening our worldview When we went to college, we both studied abroad. So I think that's a really incredible opportunity to have. I know not everybody was able to do that or not everybody took advantage of that. Like it didn't make sense for them necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so I do feel like that was something that really helped me see more of the world and also recognize that like the little bubble I was living in was very small Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that that sort of like broadening of the mind and my view of the world was definitely made possible for me through my experience of going to college. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, by far the best thing I ever did in college was study abroad. I'm so glad I did it. And I've, I almost didn't make it. I was the last person accepted and I was on the wait list. I don't know if I've ever told you that. I had to like meet with them and I like by some miracle made it onto that trip and met some of the most fun, coolest people I think I've ever met. It was the best experience. I'd never been out of the country. It was, well, Canada. Sorry, Canada, you don't count. I'd never never been out of this continent. Yeah. Um, It was was life-changing, 100%. Because I think we put these, like, barriers around certain things in our life, and they seem very, very difficult. And I don't think we realize how much doing something through school helps you break through that barrier, break through that wall. Like for some people, like traveling outside of the country, getting a passport, like some of those things, affording, being able to afford going to a different mm-hmm. country, like those are huge privileges 
and they feel like huge barriers. And if I hadn't had the opportunity through school to leave the country to, you know, force my hand in learning how to get a passport or, you know, some of the access that we uh, to things that we did in Greece and Turkey was only because of our university. And I would never be able to do them as an individual. So, so many of those things were such a unique privilege to, to, to that situation. And I'm sure for you, like spending a semester in another country, like that, even that to me now moving to another country feels like a huge hurdle, like a huge, that would seem really, really hard, but like absolutely being able to experience that in college, it's like, okay, I see how this could happen. <laughs> right. Gives you a little bit of a taste. It gives you a little bit of a uh, feel of like what it could be like. And absolutely. Like I even think about now, I think about moving out of state and I'm just like, <gasps> mm. I, I don't know. I don't know if mm-hmm. I could do it, which is so funny to think about because at the age of what, 20 was going and living in Spain for half the school year. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I was gone for what, like three or four months or something like that. And it's just wild to think that like the barriers or the obstacles that we put up for ourselves now mm-hmm. um, that make it feel not as tangible because of oftentimes like the time constraint, the financial strain, like mm-hmm. now we're working. So like, how could we take advantage of doing something like that? Yeah. We have so many other obligations. We have pets, you know, whatever it might be. It just, it feels a lot harder. And so I am incredibly grateful for the opportunity to have done that. Yep. And, you know, tying into like opening up our mindsets, opening up our minds, and this kind of ties back to communication skills. I haven't mentioned this before, um, but I just thought of this, that one of the classes that I had, actually two of the classes that I had, I think have really shaped how I communicate with people in general and like my worldview in general. I had a class that was teaching English as a second language to immigrants in the area, and it was part of like the community requirements, like like I said, they were very into like uh, supporting the local community. And it was awesome because the people were from all over the place. And I never would have had the opportunity probably to talk to, you know, a 45 year old man from Morocco that was learning English for the first time, you know, so it was really, really, really fun. But you learn really quickly, especially because there were people from all over that you you're translating thoughts into a language in your head, right? Into your primary language and then into a secondary language with your mouth. And through that, a lot of things can get lost in translation. And so that class coupled with a class that I took on religion and creation stories and how like science is still kind of a creation story, right? The Big Bang is still like a narrative that we we use. It's still a to- story we tell. Through those kind of like two classes, I learned that like as humans, we're constantly translating our thoughts, which maybe aren't words, into how we think the other person will best understand us. And I think that has completely changed how I interact with people, especially when I think I disagree with them, because I oftentimes think, okay, are we saying the same thing, but in a different way? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and so I yeah. constantly think about that because I think we we have these like failures in language and it's not necessarily a failure in in how we feel or a failure in in communication at the at the at the core. It's a failure in how we're translating it from that emotion or that feeling into actual words. So 
I, I definitely learned that through classes in college and that has shaped how I am today a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, and like, I think there's a lot to be said that like even beyond a university setting or a college setting where we're learning and having like this exposure to these things, like I know very well that like you and I are like constant students. So I think that while we were given these opportunities in the settings that we were, that we like definitely took advantage of, I think we're like continuing to reflect back on that now as adults. And like, as we've become more aware of who we are, as we've become more aware of how we do things, like we can start to name what that is and like, and make those connections back and tie it back to like, oh, that was the Mm -hmm. first time I was exposed to that. And now I've continued to do the work in like refining that skill even further and making sure to build on it so that it is something that I bring into my work setting or bring into these mm-hmm. other areas and I've continued to improve upon it. So it's interesting. Yeah. It, I mean, it definitely wasn't perfect. Like if I could change things, I would. I think that, you know, we've talked about how it's like it was expected that we go to college because we were told that we couldn't get jobs if we didn't. So in some way, shape or form, like we were going to go to either a community college or a university or whatever. And I think that those systems definitely need a lot of work. (laughs) But there were a lot of good things that, that came from those experiences. But I totally I agree that like, we never know, we'll never know where we would have been. Otherwise, if we'd chosen even a slightly different path, would we have learned all of those things in a different setting? Probably, maybe, hopefully. But yeah, I I wish it wasn't as prescriptive as it is. Yeah, and I think there's a lot in like the education system in general that needs to be improved upon and updated. I think the societal expectation or like even you look at a job description and there's a requirement to have a bachelor's degree in something. So it's like we were told, like you said, this narrative that like you have to have a degree in order to get a job. But then couple this with the expense of getting a degree and then the the income that you'll be getting from that potential entry-level job or even not entry-level job, but even like beyond that, are you able to make up the difference realistically? Like, yeah, school is expensive. It is a privilege to be able to attend school and to go to classes and to have that available to you and there are fortunately systems in place to help make that attainable, but then the overhanging debt that students are incurring and then having to live with after college and pay against, there's a reason why there's been a conversation around like debt forgiveness in mm-hmm. so many like political landscapes and why that is a big thing that people talk about because of how much the system is impacting now our workforce who is trying to like pay for all of the like basic things that they need, also contribute to the economy, start buying houses, you know, whatever it might be, but also has this like debt from 10 years ago that they're still paying off. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I will be paying off student debt forever. Part of that is because I just didn't know what I was doing. Like, it's so easy to drown yourself in student loans without really knowing what you're signing (laughs) what you're signing when you're signing those papers. Just like it's super easy to get a credit card mm-hmm. when you turn 18 and drown yourself in credit card debt. Like it's way too easy. We need something to help with that. We we need better education around finances in general and 
I mean, I would prefer some kind of like safeguard for 18 year olds so that we can't do what I did or at least explain the gravity of it and how like you're going to be in debt for the rest of your life paying back something (laughs) that may or may not help you in the future, you know? So yeah, options would have been cool. More education around finance, financial management would have been great because yeah, it's expensive. And I think about that. I think about like, if I were 18, would I have paid attention to a class around like finances? <laughs> like, yeah. Would I have actually understood the gravity of it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, Cause I agree. Like, I think there needs to be better transparency and understanding around like what you're actually signing up for and, and what that means and the long-term impact of it. But unfortunately, I don't think there is. And unfortunately, I think. We still are so like hooked in this world and it's maybe shifting a little bit as we've had like things like coding boot camps and alternative ways of like schooling being introduced, but there's still so much pressure or expectation to go to college that like you graduate high school and you go to college in the United States. I think you look at other countries and you see that gap years are a lot more common Mm-hmm. Um, or expected or like traveling after high school is a lot more accepted or seen as like the time that you do it before you jump into going to a university. So I don't know. It's interesting to see kind of how we as a society in the United States are forming up and putting so much emphasis and uh, how other countries treat this completely different yeah. or have college not cost anything. <laughs> Right. And I was just thinking about how, like, there's so much pressure to get into the best school you possibly can. And, like, the best schools, I'm doing air quotes, are also just happen to be the most expensive ones. Like, I wish, you know, I had friends who were, they knew they wanted to go into engineering when they were in high school. And there was a really great two-year program at our community college that then fed into a major in English or in English in engineering (laughs) in engineering (laughs) at um the university and so they saved a ton of money and then there was also like a like a scholarship for people who chose that course that kind of coursework so like it it really was cost effective and then they came out as engineers so they're gonna make it you know a good salary but there was always this like stigma with going to a community college. And I wish it right. had not been because it's like, I still hung out with those people. We, they still participated in the social setting. Like it was still, it was fine. And they came out with, you know, a degree and way less debt. I wish that that had been more acceptable and that there wasn't so much pressure to get into the most expensive school possible. Yeah. That there wasn't so much like status around yeah. that. I think. You know, especially one of the things that you and I had been talking about earlier before we started recording was around like class content can become so outdated. Like, especially when I was taking courses on marketing, it's like marketing 10 years ago is so different than what it looks like today. So a lot of what I've had to learn now being in marketing and actually, I mean, I laugh when I say I'm using my degree because it doesn't feel like it. Because I've had to learn so much new stuff outside of a college setting that I'm applying to what I'm doing now when it comes to my day to day job. And like, I'm constantly attending webinars, or going to events or reading various ebooks and white papers and like different materials around 
how I can do my job better in the here and now. And that's so far removed from when I was in class and when I had these marketing professors telling me about who knows what, like it was so generalized. It was so washed out of like actually being something I could take and apply Mm -hmm. that it feels like a waste in that sense. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Jess. Based on, you know, what you're saying about coursework seeming kind of like dated when it comes, especially when it comes to marketing, um, and then having to like basically educate on the fly on the job. Do you think that that's especially true because of the nature of marketing? Because it is kind of that like scientific trial and error um, methodology, like it's always going to be changing. Um, You know, we talked about how like social media is basically new (laughs) as of like when we were in college. Do you think that that is something that can be fixed in a marketing major or is it always going to seem dated because it changes so much? I mean, I think it is always going to have like an element of like what's new, what's up and coming. And I think that translates to a couple of different like fields or positions that you're in, that there's like an element of always having to kind of think about how you're selling things, right? Like sales is changing the way people want to be sold to the way people want to be marketed to. That's like completely different now than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so I think that that is a challenge of like being in this field and being in the specialty of not being able to like fully hone in on how to teach marketing that's then going to translate forever and ever afterwards. I think you do have to focus a lot more on that like communications element. So being a good writer, being a good presenter, that psychology element, understanding why people do the things they do and how to understand and like translate data, how to keep track of it, how to then use it to kind of your advantage or to make decisions. Like, I think even goal setting should have been something that we learned about in school, because that's something that you then inevitably have to do. And whether that be like personal goals for like annual or semi-annual reviews, or goals for a campaign, like, how do you determine what is worth tracking? How do you determine what you want to look at? And that inevitably is going to always change and evolve. And as like new things come about, there will be new things you want to track or that you want to monitor. But like, even having a foundation in some of that skill set or that area, I think is helpful that can then translate and adapt as like, as things are moving and shifting as far as like, the method of delivery. So whether it's, you know, we used to do a lot of direct mails, mailers, and then that's completely different. Now, we used to do print media, and now we're a lot more in digital media. So I think even just like a class on marketing trends and how to like stay on top of them um, could have been helpful, because it is going to be something where there's always going to be a new method of doing something, a new approach. So you're always going to have that piece of like learning on the job mentality or kind of necessity. I think there are some like foundational things that you can really learn about that are at the core of marketing. And then like, while you're on the job, you can kind of like, learn, get the refresh, like learn what's new in that particular instance. I don't know. What do you think? 
Yeah, I agree. I, and I wonder if there are certain industries where it's more beneficial to have uh, like working experience as your education where like we could we, you know, say we'd majored in marketing. Could we have done like a core, like foundational, um, like lesson, traditional, like academic learning for the first year or two, and then had more like work focused experience for the last two years? Because I agree. I mean, it's, it's constantly changing. So there's only so much they can, um, account for. But I think that there are just certain things that academics and professors get trapped into if they don't have that working experience and they just can't teach you beyond that. So I'm guessing this is not unique to marketing. I'm guessing there are other jobs where they're constantly in flux and constantly following certain trends and human behavior that they need to go and, and, and learn about constantly. Whereas like if you're, you know, learning medicine, a lot of that is stuff that is you know, anatomy is, is foundational. Like you're still, it's the same, um, techniques might be different, but you know, and even they have working experience. So yeah, I think that you're right. There's probably a lot that could change in the academic world. And I think that part of that could be structure and how, how we learn and having more working experience. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even like working experience of like experiencing what it's like to work for an agency versus an in-house marketing department or team. Like that jump in my mind is so intimidating. Mm. Like because I didn't start on the agency route and because of like what I'm in, the idea of now going into an agency is like terrifying to me. And I've talked extensively with friends that are in that setting and try to get a feel for it, but I, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to be like. And so then to like commit your career shift to that Mm -hmm. feels a lot heavier than like having been able to maybe do some experience in a safer, like classroom setting. Yeah. Or going from B to B to B to C. Yeah. That's a big shift. Leaving tech in general, like a lot of people are afraid to leave tech because it changes so much and getting back into it can be difficult. So yeah, I don't think that's the kind of stuff you learn through your professional career that I don't know. I don't know if a lot of like academics know that stuff because I don't know how many people have a full, like fulfilled marketing career. And at the end of the day are like, you know what? I really want to go and teach. Like I, I don't really know anyone like that. So, yeah, I think that those would be really valuable lessons. Maybe more professionals need to, like, create educational material. Or it would be cool if we could, like, do a resident teaching. Like an adjunct? Is, yeah. Isn't that when you're an adjunct professor? You're not, like, I think so. yeah. a professor because you've gotten, like, your PhD in the subject, but you're a professor that, like, comes in and presents, yeah, like, a course. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be cool. Can we do, like, lady date school? (laughs) Could you imagine if we were professors of anyone? Oh, my gosh. Would they learn anything? I don't know. I'd be be trying to be the cool professor the whole time. I would be bouncing off the walls. I'd be so (laughs) excited. I would not. They would learn nothing from me. Oh, Uh, that would be fun. That would be fun. But, like, thinking of that, if we were to go back in time... And talk to our 18-year-old selves, those little Jess and little Sarah getting ready 
to plan out the next four to five years of their life, what would you, what would you go back and tell yourself? Oh my God. So, so many things. Take a year off, probably. I think I would have taken a year off if I'd known what I know now. And then really reassess the people that you're surrounding yourself with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I had a really awesome guidance counselor in high school, and I needed that in college, and I didn't seek it out. Uh, And I should have. And I think that getting some more perspective from space from a year off and then also from like surrounding myself with the right people and the right kind of like pressure that I needed to succeed and to build would have helped me a lot and would have helped me figure out the financial side of things and how a degree can build into a career. I needed that. Um, so I, I wish I had found the right people to help me with that. How about you? What would you go tell yourself? I think I would tell myself to not feel so peer pressured to do what everybody else is doing. So kind of not too different from what you were sharing. I think being okay with maybe having a different path than what was traditional or expected or societally pressed upon me. I think being comfortable with acknowledging like what growth and what I needed to do and doing what was right for me versus what was expected and maybe like having a little bit more stake in that decision, even the decision of like what I ended up studying, you know, I went in just being like, well, business is really applicable, can can be really broad. I like, while that was great planning, I kind of pigeonholed myself into like just doing that path. And I didn't get to like explore and do cool nutrition classes or do, you know, some of these other classes because I was so set in stone. And so I think that would have been nice to kind of give myself the opportunity to push myself a little bit outside of that comfort zone. And like, I don't know, I think there is a lot to be said about taking a gap year. I think a lot of people are fearful of that because you won't find your way back. Hmm. But like removing that emphasis on that, like college is everything or going to a four-year college is everything. Um, I think that would have been something where I would have said, you know, follow a little bit more of what you want to do or like give yourself some time to figure out what you want to do. That's okay too. Yep. I love that. I would go back and just slap her right in the face. (laughs) (laughs) And be like, stop being an idiot. (laughs) You're so dumb. You make so many mistakes. Boys are not life. (laughs) God, uh, don't let a boy make your decisions for you. Yeah. Oh, so many things. Yeah. But, you know, I, all of that being said, I know we've talked, I think even on this podcast about how we wouldn't really go back and change anything because then we wouldn't be who we are and we're pretty happy with who we are. So time travel aside, if it was invented, you know, maybe, maybe we wouldn't use it. I don't know, but yeah. that all of that being said, um, there is definitely some like some fixing that could happen in the academic world. Uh, it's not perfect, but we found some some sunshine in it, I think. Yeah, I think we've been able to like walk away with a bit of a silver lining. And I think that's just kind of like how we approach a lot of things of like, we can't go back and change it. So there's no real sense in dwelling on it. But I think if 
you know, if we were to talk to anyone else, it'd be interesting to hear like what their experience was, or if they didn't do the same route that like you and I did, because we had very similar experiences. Like if they did something different, it would be interesting to hear their perspective. So calling on all you listeners, if you want to share your thoughts with us, please do. Because I'd be interested in hearing kind of how others feel about how their post high school life has kind of panned out for them. Mm -hmm, Definitely. Should we give any advice to recent grads? Okay. May your hats fly higher than your dreams. I'm just kidding. I think that's a Michael Scott quote from The Office. Um, I was going to say, that's not a, that's not a good thing. <laughs> um, your dreams are very low. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I got a really strong arm. Um, no, I think for recent grads, I would say to absorb as much as you can to talk around, like, create community around you and talk with them openly as much as you can. And also that this idea of having to be set in the one place that you currently feel like you are or the one path that you're on does not have to dictate where you end up going and that it's okay that there's shifting and that there's changing as uncomfortable as it is there is usually going to be something that comes out of that shift and that change and that growth. And as hard as it can be, embracing disruption is going to take you a lot further than resisting it. Totally. Yep. Take a path. You got to you gotta figure out what you like and what you don't like. And the best way to figure that out is just to do it. You can always mm-hmm. change. You can always change things. I totally agree with the community. You need people. If you can find a mentor, we eventually want to do an episode about that. So definitely find a mentor, find people who you can talk to. And remember that no one actually knows what they're doing. Uh, No longer (laughs) how they've been in the industry. There are winging it and anxiety about your job never goes away. So don't yeah. feel alone. It's it's uh, comforting to know that everyone feels it. And um, <laughs> just because you're new doesn't mean you necessarily know less than other people. <laughs> Very true. But yeah, congratulations. If there are any graduates listening to us, I know this was probably not the easiest time to graduate from school. Um, and for all of you lifelong learners, we're right there with you. We have, have that curiosity deep within us. So I know we look forward to learning more about everything all the time with all of you. So uh, definitely contribute and um, open up any communication. We love to interview people on this podcast. If you want to talk to us about anything, we've had some people reach out recently and we're very excited about those conversations coming up soon. And if you want to engage on our social media channels, technically, um, but <laughs> primarily Instagram. Primarily Instagram. Let's keep it there. <laughs> Instagram, just Instagram. Um, definitely do that. We want to hear from you. And yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. 